Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Tiff Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. It is good to be back after a couple of weeks off. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, including my dad, who I think is downstairs listening. At least I hope he is. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Again, it is great to be back after a couple of weeks off. And we have quite a bit to get to today, actually, on this Father's Day. I started off right before we came on here with my little setup of the show talking about, you know, the sticky situation that baseball's in. And I have thoughts on it's too little too late, basically. I've been kind of bottling this up all week since the memo came out about it. I'm going to kind of go off on the commissioner of baseball once again. I think that's my fifth time ranting about the commissioner. Uh, White Sox, a lot of injuries. And today's lineup is really interesting regarding the injuries. Uh, I'll break it all down for you. But the White Sox getting bit by the injury bug bad, and yet they're still the third best team in MLB. Yes, this is going to be me once again defending Tony La Russa. The Cubs, bad series against Miami. This is a bad series against Miami. I don't know why they can't beat the Marlins, or at least, you know, be competitive. But yeah, not going great so far for the Northsiders this week. And the NBA draft lottery is coming up on Tuesday. We'll look at the Different outcomes for the Bulls, different possibilities, where they can go in free agency, where they can go if they stay in the top four to keep their pick. And there's a sad situation going on with a major newspaper in town. And I I have thoughts because it does involve a personal friend of mine. And that'll be at the very end of the show. I will talk about that. We'll have a lot more fun along the way as well. Let's lead off. With the Arlington Heights Bears. Well, that's not what they changed the name to. But the Bears might be moving to Arlington Heights. And when I say might, I mean they're looking at it. This is all very preliminary. But the Arlington Race Course is closing, if it hasn't already, is closing or is closed. And rumors came out from the beginning. As soon as it was getting ready to shut down, what are the Bears going to do? Are the Bears maybe going to put in a bid? What would happen if the Bears were to buy Arlington? And the other day, a statement came out from Ted Phillips. Now, whenever there's a statement from Ted Phillips, uh, my my instinct is to roll my eyes because I'm thinking, oh, what's he saying about the football side? 
He's a good businessman. What's he doing with the football side? Here's this statement. Quote, We recently submitted a bid to purchase the Arlington International Racecourse property. It's our obligation to explore every possible option to ensure we're doing what's best for our organization and its future. If selected, this step allows us to further evaluate the property and its potential. So everything initially about the Bears and Arlington Heights, it was just rumor. There was really nothing to it other than it was just a rumor. Bears fans being hopeful, oh, maybe we can move out of Soldier Field and build a big new indoor complex in the suburbs. And it seemed like wishful thinking. This statement from Ted Phillips that the Bears put in a bid, this thing's got legs now. And this is not the first time we've heard about the Bears potentially leaving Soldier Field, leaving Chicago. This is this has happened a few times now. But this one, keep an eye on it. Because this would be huge. And I'm all for it. I'm going to be completely honest. I am all for it. Because if you... If your bid wins, if there if your bid is selected, you can build an indoor stadium with a retractable roof. So you basically, you, you can have a retractable roof to make it an indoor stadium, which is nice considering it gets really freaking cold in Chicago. So you could have an indoor stadium. You could have 80,000 plus seats, we'll say. We'll say 70,000, 80,000, whatever. You can, you can fit a ton of people in there. If you if you put that many seats in there, you can host Final Fours and Super Bowls and, you know, other events, obviously. But the big ones would be Final Fours and Super Bowls. Because how, how do you have the third largest city in the country and you don't have the capacity, literally, you don't have the capacity to host the Final Four or Super Bowl? Soldier Field is the smallest stadium capacity-wise in the NFL. If you were to buy Arlington Racecourse, if your bid is selected, and you can build that facility, that would be huge for, I mean, obviously be big for Arlington Heights. I mean, the city of Chicago, I mean, they'll get the tourism because not a lot of tourism things to do in Arlington Heights. No offense to anybody from Arlington Heights, but the tourists are going to go to the city. And then Arlington Heights would get the revenue, the Bears would get the revenue, be good for the state. I don't see a lot of downsides. However, I am getting my popcorn ready for if this thing goes on any farther, any further. Because Lori Lightfoot put out this statement, and this has made me laugh out loud. So this is shortly after Ted Phillips' statement. Lori Lightfoot responds, quote, As a season ticket holder and longtime Bears fan, I am committed to keeping the Chicago name in our football team. And like most Bears fans... We want the organization to focus on putting a winning team on the field, beating the Packers finally, and being relevant past October. Everything else is noise. <laughs> that cracked me up. And I, I, I don't want to... I don't know how to put this. Being relevant past October is the part that got me. Because that's hilarious. I mean, I get what she's what she's saying. You get her point. She doesn't want the Bears to leave, and she's trying to really drive home that point, but being relevant past October, that's a great 
That's a great sales pitch. <laughs> it just cracked me up. And I have the, I'm seeing any of the scenes from that 70s show when Michael Kelso just yells burn. That was, that's kind of what I'm seeing in my head about Lori Lightfoot and the Bears after that statement. That just absolutely cracked me up. But I get what she's saying. I mean, obviously, as as mayor of Chicago, you want the Bears to stay in Chicago. I mean, especially, yes, she's a season ticket holder. So you want the Bears to stay. But at the same time, if you're the McCaskies, you've got to be looking at more, what are the opportunities here? We have an opportunity to increase the capacity, bring more people to the games, and that stadium would be able to host other major sporting events. In 2018, I covered the Final Four National Championship when Loyola went on the run. We were at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. That holds 70,000 people. It's huge. I remember walking out there after the tournament was done and at the national championship we're out there. I just stood at the free throw line in an empty stadium and just looked around and just imagined being at that free throw line and that place was full. Having that kind of facility, I mean, it wouldn't be in Chicago, in the suburbs and for the Bears, it'd be awesome. Again, I'm all for it. From that perspective, I understand the city would take a hit. I mean, Soldier Field, the location is not great. I mean, I've, there's a little bit of public transportation there, if I remember right, but there's not like there's no CTA train station. There's just a bus or two. And I know I come from. I, I'm not saying I come from the south suburbs because Dwight is not a suburb, but I come from south of the south suburbs. And coming from the south, it's a pain to get to Soldier Field. Now, Arlington Heights wouldn't be much easier from where I'm coming from. But, I, I mean, you, you get a location, you get the opportunity, you gotta take it. I mean, you're not gonna wait for an opportunity in the south suburbs or in the, in the west, or in the west suburbs, wherever. Arlington Heights has an opportunity. You've gotta put in the bid. I, I agree, putting in the bid. If, if your bid's selected, man, there's going to be legs to this one. It's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds. But yeah, I, I am definitely in favor of the Bears buying the old Arlington Racecourse and building a huge stadium. It'd be great. That's been the biggest news. Of the week, other than you know Justin Fields looking really good in OTAs, I'm really, I, I, you know, I don't know if I've said this. I'm really excited about this kid. Yeah, I know everyone else is too, but I'm I'm serious. I so last night I went up. We, were, we had bar trivia last night at the bar I work at, and one of the questions was about the Bears quarterback who revolutionized the position by leading the league in passing yards per attempt from 1939 to 
And my exact words were, it's the only quarterback in Bears history worth anything. And then I said, well, other than Justin Fields. The answer to the question, if you don't know the answer, the answer is Sid Luckman. And yes, my team got that right, because they listened to me. But Sid Luckman is the only quarterback in Bears history worth anything. Yes, Jim McMahon won a ring. Okay, he's not in the conversation of... You can't, I don't call Jim McMahon the greatest Bears quarterback in history. He won a ring. But the, the game plan with Jim McMahon was... Snap the ball here, Walter, run. Now, I know he passed too. He was he was a decent passer. But Sid Luckman literally changed the position. And now here we are, some 80 years later, and this guy's still being talked about on Monday Night Football. I made the joke last night. The Bears are the only team in the NFL to have a quarterback from the 1940s talked about on every Monday Night Football broadcast they're on. It was... Tongue-in-cheek, but yeah, that's true. I'm tired of hearing Sid Luckman's name on these broadcasts. I'm tired of seeing, oh, look at all these Bears quarterbacks from the last 20 years. I want Justin Fields to end that conversation and light it up as quarterback. And I know Matt Nagy is taking criticism because he always takes criticism, but he's taking criticism for what he said about Justin Fields not being able to win the quarterback competition, how he's going to be QB2 at least to start. And I've been vocal about this. I've said it on these airwaves. He should not start week one. All these fans that are talking about, oh, he needs to be a starter out of the gate. He's better than Andy Dalton. I'm not saying he's not better than Andy Dalton. I'm saying he should not start week one or week two, or week three, or week four. Because I made this point a few weeks back, and I'm just going to reiterate it. Week one is against the Rams and Aaron Donald. Week two is the Bengals, okay. Week three is Cleveland and Miles Garrett. And then you've got Detroit week four. I would say even week five would be about the time you'd want to see Justin Fields start. And that'd be against Vegas. The Raiders. That's what I would do. Now, I'm not a football guy. I've never played a down of football in my life. I golfed in high school for a reason. I was scrawny in high school. And if I'd have taken one hit out on that football field, I would have broken a bone. Maybe two or three. But I have enough knowledge of the game to tell you, you don't want to throw a rookie in his professional debut against Aaron Donald in prime time on Sunday Night Football. Now, if anyone could handle it, could it be Justin Fields? Yes. But give him time. Don't just throw him out there to the wolves. Give him time. Do this right. Do not screw this up. If you throw him out there against Aaron Donald and the Rams week one, you have potential to screw this up. Because you don't know what can happen against a guy like that. And, I mean, the, Aaron Donald's not 
the only part of the Rams defense. I mean, Leonard Floyd it kills me to talk about Leonard Floyd being on the Rams and succeeding, but Leonard Floyd's doing well. They still got Jalen Ramsey, I think. That Rams defense is good, man. And I would not throw a rookie out there in his professional debut on Sunday Night Football to face him. But again, that's just me. That's where Matt Nagy's coming from, I think. All these Bear fans getting mad that Andy Dalton, or Andy Dalton, that Matt Nagy's ruling out Justin Fields to win the quarterback competition. You've got to look at that schedule out of the gate. No, I'm not angry at all that Matt Nagy's out there talking about Justin Fields not winning the quarterback competition, Andy Dalton being the starter. But again, that's just me. I'm trying to come at this with a level head. Because I've, I've gone off on Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace before, but this time, I mean, it's all about not screwing it up. It's plain and simple. You know what is screwed up, though? Baseball and changing the penalty for sticky stuff in the middle of a season. Let's talk about this. Because I've been kind of, I've been waiting on this. The, the Arlington Heights stuff was the news of the week. That's why I wanted to lead off with that. But we're looking at a more national scale here. A few weeks back, in, I think I want to say it was Cardinals White Sox, Joe West went to Giovanni Gallegos of the Cardinals and looked at his hat. He made Gallegos change the hat. Because there was a white spot on the hat, which is sticky stuff, basically. So what, what this is for... Why sticky stuff is a big deal is because it can increase the spin rate, increase the control of the ball. And it the argument baseball is using is it gives pitchers a competitive advantage. Now, that, that's true. But now what baseball is doing is increasing the penalty for sticky stuff and not wanting it out there at all. Which, I mean, that's in the rules that you can't do that. But now baseball's just going to enforce it that much more. Here's what's happening. A 10-day suspension with pay. That is a paid suspension. You heard that right. That's not a typo. And the, the thing is, so if... So baseball, ha- they've got 25-man rosters. If a pitcher gets suspended for having sticky stuff the team loses that roster spot. So they're down to 24 guys because that 25th guy is suspended for 10 games. So baseball's trying to crack down on this. But just like I said, the Bears shouldn't do with the quarterback position. They once again screwed it up. This is not the type of move you make in the middle of the season. I get why. Well, let me let me take that back a little bit. I think I get why baseball's doing this now because they want to try and save face after you know a couple different scandals, you know, steroids and the Astros and the Red Sox. Baseball's trying to save face. Not <laughs> doing it right. Because now you got everybody saying, oh, wow, now baseball's taking something seriously, and oh, wow, you're going to give the guy a 10-game paid suspension? 
a paid suspension. This is too good. And Carlos Rodon actually had a really good point. And he kind of said what we're all thinking. This is what this is from uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, I don't have the audio pulled, but I have the quote right here. This is from Carlos Rodon. Quote, if Rob Manford can look himself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm doing the right thing, that's fine. But if you can't suspend the team that you actually knew was cheating during a playoff game, that's on you. And then he also said, it's hard to see this when you're giving out 10-game suspensions for cheating, but you give the Astros no suspensions at all. Because that's what he was referring to. The Houston Astros literally were stealing signs. They were stealing signs in the playoff game. In a playoff game. In playoff games. And blatantly cheating. I mean, they broke one of the cardinal rules of baseball. And yet they didn't get a single suspension. Not one. And the reason why. There is there is a reason why they didn't get a suspension. It's because baseball wanted the players to talk in the investigation. They wanted the players to give them information. So they granted them immunity. You wouldn't get suspended if you talk in the investigation. So, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, George Springer, none of the, Alex Bregman, none of them got suspended. Now you've got the sticky stuff situation where you got even guys like Tyler Glass now who got hurt and is blaming the lack of use of sticky stuff because he had to change how he gripped the ball. And he has a partial tear of his UCL. You got guys like that coming out and saying, well, why are you doing this now? Because now those guys are susceptible to suspension. Because they were using sticky stuff with the ball. To me, this is like... I'm a big golfer. My sister's going to play Division Three golf next year. We're a big golf family. This is like, you're on the eighth hole. You have two drivers in your bag. Because I know people who carry two drivers. You have two drivers in your bag. You've got one you always use and one brand new one you've never used before. Not even out of driving range. This is like getting to the eighth hole out of 18 in a tournament. And saying, you know, this driver I've been using, it doesn't work. And I'm going to try the one I've never used before. That's what baseball is basically doing to these pitchers who have used those substances with their grip and increase their spin rate. They're basically telling them, you have to learn how to throw again without the enhanced substance mid-season. And on top of that, the date today is June 20th. The trade deadline is a month away. Because, yes, it's my that's my birthday. It's the trade deadline. That's how I always remember my birthday. Or I always remember my birthday. How I remember the trade deadline is it's my birthday. So we got a month until the trade deadline, and now these teams have to reevaluate based on, okay, Garrett Cole is not throwing with any, what's it called, sticky tack? Is that what it's called? 
I actually, I, I'm going to be honest, just because I'm a baseball nerd like this. I want to try it. I want to tr- I want to see how it impacts the grip for myself. Because, I mean, you've seen the comparisons. I mean, I've seen people on Twitter. I mean, Rob, Rob Freeman is that the pitching ninja is unreal with the stuff he posts. I've seen his stuff. I've seen other videos kind of comparing. I want to try it for myself. Just to see how it impacts the ball and the spin rate and the movement. I, I want to, I'm curious. And speaking of Garrett Cole. Can we please talk about when he was asked about his use? Is it sticky sticky tack? What's it called? Whatever it's called. He was asked about the use of it, whether he used it. And he kind of sat there. He hesitated. And he's looking around. He's like, I don't really know how to answer that. It's literally a yes or no question. Check the DMs here. I got a couple of oh, there. Spider tack. That's what it's called. It's called spider tack. That's what it's called. Sticky tacks. The stuff you put on your bulletin boards and stuff to make things stick on the wall. But yeah, Jonah Blatt chimes in. Uh, how about Garrett Cole? The all-time bad answer. Great minds. Great minds. He's talking about the Garrett Cole answer. Spider tack. That's what it's called. And we got Daryl Horwitz chiming in. Former host of the show. Uh, what's up, Daryl? We got, for some reason, your feed started over, so I'm behind. Whoops, <laughs> if we're having technical issues again. Are you kidding? I'm so sick of remote broadcasting. Anyway, uh, he says, Jim McMahon is better than you're giving him credit for. He was the best Bears quarterback I ever watched. Oh, Jim McMahon is definitely better than I'm giving him credit for, but for the sake of my argument, I mean, you're comparing him, I was comparing him to Sid Luckman. And I know you say he was the best Bears quarterback you ever saw. I mean, I mean, who? If anyone has anyone seen... If anyone has seen Sid Luckman play, please tell me. I would, I genuinely, I will, I want to interview somebody who saw Sid Luckman play football, remembers and remembers it vividly, because you're not going to find many people. It's like the old joke from Major League that the Indians are giving away free tickets to anyone who's actually alive. The last time Cleveland won a pennant. So that's the same thing. So I get what you're saying. Jim McMahon's the best quarterback, best Bears quarterback you ever saw. Look at your sample size. Now, I never saw Jim McMahon. The best Bears quarterback I ever saw, unfortunately, has to be Jay Cutler. And even then, he wasn't that good. I'm hoping Justin Fields can change this entire conversation. And I, I, he's got the potential to. But it's all about now, I, I'm tired of hearing and reading about Sid Luckman when talking about Bears quarterbacks. Like, I just, I'm, I don't want to hear any more about 1940. I want to hear about 2021 or 2022, whenever Justin Fields takes over and does work for the Bears. But yeah, I, I, trust me, Jim McMahon is better than I'm giving him credit for. But you got to remember where my argument is. It's comparing to Sid Luckman. And that's why, yes, for many people, Jim McMahon is the best Bears quarterback they've ever seen. But it's because you never saw Sid Luckman. I never, I'm not saying, I, I'm 22, I'll be 23 years old next month. I can't even say I've seen highlights of Sid Luckman, because I don't think any exist. I'm ready for this conversation to change. So, yes, 
I, I agree with you, Daryl. Jim McMahon's better than I'm giving you credit for. But you've got to remember my argument. Jonah keeps sleeping on Rex Grossman. You know, you know I found my Grossman. I, when I was younger, when the Bears were in the Super Bowl last, I had a, a Grossman jersey. I found it the other day when going through some stuff. I immediately threw it back in. Keep sleeping on Rex Grossman. You, <sighs> having Lions fans in my Twitter mentions is fun. I agree the Bears have a terrible quarterback history since you mentioned Luckman. Wouldn't you like to hear about another team than the 85 Bears? Sure. That's from Daryl. Sure. I'd love to hear more than just 1985. I would. Now, at the same time, it's kind of the running joke that you, you know that Bears fans are annoying because they only talk about 1985. So I, I would I would miss those jokes. And I'd miss, you know, like the super fans, all at 85, Ditka, that's kind of like just the stereotypical Bears fan. So, yes, from the same point as hearing about Sid Luckman every week, yeah, I want to hear more than just 1985. Or in, in more recent history, I'd like to hear more than the stupid double doink. Because it's been two going on three years, I still hear about that I still, uh, I don't like talking about it. Bob Avellini. That's who my dad just brought up over text. Dad, you're lucky it's Father's Day. Bob Avellini. All right, I'm moving on. This conversation's getting off the rails. This is it. Wow. Uh, we're at the bottom of the hour. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz. I still cannot take calls because we're working remotely through the summer, which is oh so fun. I'm coming to you from actually my dad's office in sweet little Dwight, Illinois, which is why the sound quality is different. Usually I'm out in the garage, but there's no air conditioning in my garage. There's only heat. And heat would not be good. On a day like today, because according to my watch, it is 81 degrees, but I went outside when I went to get coffee, it does not feel like 81 degrees. It is hot. It has been hot. So I'm coming from my house this time. And if you want to chime in, keep like Daryl and Jonah have been doing. You can slide into my Twitter DMs. You can slide into my mentions. I I have my Twitter open. My tweet deck is open throughout the show. And I'll have interacting with everybody as best I can. I cannot wait until the day comes that I can take calls again. We'll see when that happens. Let's move on. Sticking with baseball. Let's look at the White Sox. Because the White Sox have the third, bre- third best record, easy for me to say, third best record in the major leagues. And that's behind... Boston, and is it Boston? No, the tie with Boston. That's behind Oakland. Yeah, Oakland. And San Francisco. Oh, okay, the Dodgers are 6-14. I misread. So the Dodgers have a half game on the White Sox. Woo. But yeah, the White Sox are three and a half games up in the division. 43-28 and 28 record. They are without Eloy Jimenez. They are without... Luis Robert, they are now without Nick Madrigal because he tore his hamstring. He's out for the year. They're without, was it, is Adam Eaton out that I see? Is he on the injured list now too? 
So a lot of injuries this year for the White Sox. Leary Garcia is day-to-day. Billy Hamilton has an oblique strain. Yeah, the injuries, this is not great for the White Sox. But still, they're 43-28. and 20. Yeah, they've lost three straight games, which is why the lineup was shuffled. Which, <laughs> But we, uh, we got to talk about that. They've lost three straight games. Let's look at this lineup for today. Tony La Russa made the comment but right before I came on the air about we've lost three straight, time to mix things up or something along those lines. Listen to this lineup for the White Sox-Astros game today at 110 in Houston. Tim Anderson leading off, that's no surprise. Yoan Moncada batting second. Jose Abreu batting third. Brian Goodwin batting fourth. Anyone who Brian Goodwin is? A little bit more trivia. Brian Goodwin is the prospect the White Sox called up when Nick Madrigal got hurt. He's been swinging a good bat, but he's batting fourth today. Yasmani Grandal, the Greek, the new Greek god of walks, because that guy has like an on-base percentage over 300 and his batting average is below 200. I'm not exaggerating. He's batting fifth. Andrew Vaughn's batting sixth. Jake Lamb is batting seventh. Yermin Mercedes, who has been riding the struggle bus lately. Actually, he's not just riding, he's driving the struggle bus. He's batting 8th, and Danny Mendick batting ninth while Dallas Keuchel pitches. That is a lineup. Now, like I said, Tim Anderson at the top, that's no surprise. I like, I, I kind of, I, I like Moncada and Abreu's 2 and 3. I like, I like that top 3. After that, look, Brian Goodwin's been swinging a good bat, don't get me wrong. Batting him clean up? <laughs> okay. All right, Tony. <laughs> like that, I mean, this, this seems like, you know, they, they got day off tomorrow. It's getaway day. Look, I'm not reading too much into it. I'm, I'm going to make jokes about it. Because I still... Is Monty Grandal batting fifth? Okay. Well, it's just a one-game thing. And you got to remember, there are a lot of injuries with that roster. So that limits your, your lineup options. And I'm genuine... I'm curious. I don't know if there's, like, a way to measure this through, like, simulations or whatever... I want to know what the White Sox record would be if Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez were healthy. I do. I want to know what that extra firepower would bring to the lineup. All right, well, I actually, I know what it would bring to the lineup. I want to know how it would impact their wins and loss record. The White Sox this year, what they're doing, they are at about, I saw a stat on Twitter the other day about expected wins. This is like what they were, how many games they were expected to win at this point. It's measured. There was a calculation to determine it. The White Sox are two games below their expected win total for this point in the season. And that's without two of their best hitters. But, you know, everything's Tony LaRusso's fault, right? He's too old, he doesn't know the game anymore. He can't relate to these players today. 
Look, I know he's had some missteps with the the three zero count, the home run from Mercedes, the apologizing to the other team, the extra inning rule, which again I didn't even know that rule. And a Hall of Famer baseball person should not need to know a little league extra inning rule. But I'm not getting on that topic. We're staying focused. We're going to stay focused. Tony La Russa is doing a pretty good job. And people don't want to hear that. I get that. People don't want to hear it. But coming from a baseball standpoint, 43-28 and 28 without Jimenez and Robert. And now you're down Madrigal. That's pretty good. Plus 94 run differential. That is third in baseball behind the Astros and the Dodgers, both of which are in second place. So the Astros have the best run differential in baseball, and they're in second place behind Oakland. The Dodgers have the second best run differential in baseball, the best in the NL, and they're in second place behind San Francisco. Baseball. That's interesting. But yeah, Tony LaRusse is doing a pretty good job. And I've, this is every week I feel like I keep repeating myself, but it's because it's true. And I have the forum here where I can talk about this every week, so I'm using it. Tony LaRusse is doing a pretty good job. Anyone disagrees? Come on the show. Well, we have to be pre-recorded interview. Come on the show, and we'll talk about it. This is where I wish I could take calls. Because I would put out an all-call. Call the number, and... Tell me why I'm wrong. But I can't do that because we're working remote. Hopefully we're back in studio soon. But yeah, interesting Sox lineup today. I just wanted to, I wanted to make note of that. And the Cubs. Whew, the Cubs. <laughs> nah, not great, Bob. <laughs> well, let's look at these scores from the last two games against Miami. Uh, let's see what's going on here. Last night, last night was it yesterday? Did they play during? The, they played during the day yesterday. Look, the over under for this game was eight and a half. If anyone's into sports betting, the good news is the over hit. Bad news is the Marlins did that by themselves. Final score was eleven to one. The Cubs got three hits. At one point, they had only one until Eric. So- or they only had one from Eric Sogard until Jason Hayward hit a home run. The day before, on Friday, the score was a little better. The Cubs only lost ten to two, and they got four hits that game. I don't know what it is about the Cubs facing Miami, but th- that's bad. I mean. The Marlins are 31 and 39 this year. The Cubs are 39 and 32. Somehow, the Cubs are still in first place in the division. They're tied with Milwaukee right now, 39 and 32, identical records. Cincinnati's three games back. St. Louis three and a half games back, and the and Pittsburgh is not even in contention. Pittsburgh is 13 games back, 25 and 44 record. So Pittsburgh gets the award in the National League Central for at least you tried. But yeah, what is with the Cubs facing Miami? Because it goes back even the wild card series last year. They couldn't hit. That was back when we were talking about the offense being broken. 
Well, the good news is this year, the Cubs had the best run differential in the division. The bad news is it's plus 20. Same run differential as the Marlins, who were in last place in the NL East. Because again, baseball. It is such a, it's a crazy game in that regard. The Cubs are in first place in their division with a plus 20 run differential. And the Marlins are last in their division with a plus 20 run differential. Baseball is great. It's even better when the Cubs can, you know, hit the ball. They've got seven hits total in their last two games. But this happens. It's a long season. Still seven games over 500. I still don't know what they should do with the trade deadline. I think that answer is going to come early July. I think after July 1, you're going to really start seeing some steam about where the Cubs are going to go with the deadline. Because right now, if the trade deadline was, say, end of June instead of end of July, so let's say we were 10 days away from the trade deadline right now, you got to buy. If the Cubs are still tied, let's say tied for first at the end of July, I don't see a reason why they should sell. Because they're still competitive. They are overachieving. At least it feels like it. Because during the offseason, I remember even talking about, oh, they're going to be so bad this year. This is going to be terrible. They're getting, they're entering a rebuild. Nobody's going to come back. They're going to trade everybody in July. And now they're tied for first in the division through 71 games. So yeah, it, it's weird being in this spot right now, given where we thought we were in the offseason. So I don't know what's going to happen at the deadline. I think give it three weeks and I'll come back on here and have that, have that conversation. So we'll see. Not really much else to report on the Cubs. NBA draft lotteries on Tuesday. And this is another weird spot for the Bulls. Because as you recall, at the NBA trade deadline, the Bulls traded for Nikola Vucevic. In that trade, they sent a top four protected pick to Orlando. Now, what does that mean? That means that the Bulls can land in the top four in the draft. They'll keep their pick. If they are outside the top four, the pick goes to Orlando. So I currently have tankathon.com open on my computer. And what this is, it's a draft lottery simulator. Now, it's not as, it's not the real thing. You know, these computer simulations, it's not as random as lottery balls. But I'm going to do a simulation right now, live on the air, and see where the Bulls would fall. Because the draft lottery, at least according to this, because it has a specific timer, is two days, seven hours, and 46 minutes away. And 30 seconds. So let's see what this says. This simulation puts the Bulls at the ninth overall pick, which means Orlando would get the pick. This simulation has a top four of Orlando, New Orleans, Minnesota, and Detroit. Now, if I do another sim, because you can do as many as you want. My second simulation has the Bulls at eighth. Third one has them at 10. There we go, it took four. 
It took four tries to get him in the top four. Now, if they are in the top four, there are names in this draft. Like, if they land in the top four, this is the draft to be fourth overall. Now, last year, outside the top three, there were a lot of question marks, and I still love Patrick Williams, who, by the way, was named uh, NBA All-Rookie second team. So, congratulations to the paw on that one. But now, this year in the top four, I think it's consensus that Cade Cunningham's going number one. But you've got other prospects out there. I look at, you know, I want to say Jalen Green. You've got Evan Mobley. You've got names in this draft. If you're going to be in the top four, this is the one. Jalen Suggs is another name from Gonzaga. You've got Jonathan, I think it's Kuminga from the G League. This is the draft to be in the top four. Maybe Arturis Karnaschovas can pull a rabbit out of his hat again. Now, Mark Eversley is going to be representing the Bulls during the lottery, and I think it's going to be virtual again. And I kind of liked how they did that last year. I, I kind of I liked it. I wish it was, you know, in Chicago at the hotel where, you know, in The Fugitive, Richard Kimball's talking about switching the samples. Just because I like the fugitive memes that came out of that when the Bulls got the seventh pick. But we're going to see Tuesday night at 7.30. We are going to get a lot of answers about where the Bulls are going to go this offseason. Because a lot, in my opinion, is going to be contingent on where they fall in the lottery. If they have a lottery pick, that's going to determine, okay, they're going to be taking one of those guys. Suggs, Cunningham, Mobley, Green, Kuminga, whoever. If they're outside the top four, we're going to start looking at free agents. Cunningham or Suggs are the only ones that matter because they need a point. That's from Daryl Horowitz. Well, they're only getting Cunningham if they're number one. I fully believe that Cade Cunningham is going number one and no lower. I don't know why anyone would pass on Cade Cunningham. I'm a big Jalen Suggs fan. I would be over the moon if they got Jalen Suggs. Now, that said, my answer to the Bulls' point guard problem all along has been Lonzo Ball. I have been beating my chest now for, let's see, what month is it? Is it June? Six months about Lonzo Ball to the Bulls. I think he's the answer at the point. I think he, now that he's fix that whack shot that he had. I can't even recreate. I wish I had a camera on me because I'm like sitting here trying to do what he used, how he used to shoot. It was weird. But now that he's fixed that shot, he can pass and he can shoot. I think if Lonzo Ball is the Bulls point guard next year, they're in the playoffs. I'm not talking the play-in. I'm talking sixth seed in the East. You can book it. Would Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs do that? Maybe. But I think Lonzo Ball is the answer. So it depends on where they fall. If they can get one of those guys, you don't pass on Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. But if you fall, if they go, let's say they're the fourth pick and Cunningham and Suggs are gone, I wouldn't mind an Evan Mobley paired up with Nikola Vucevic or Jalen Green. 
That'd be fine. Again, we're going to get a lot of answers on Tuesday. And the lottery again is at 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday. And you heard it. it took me four simulations to get the Bulls in the top four. So one out of four simulations had the Bulls keeping their pick. Again, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they were outside the top four because this, again, it would just give our tourist car to show us a little more, little more room to go on the free agent market and on the trade market as well. Because Lonzo Ball is a restricted free agent. So if the Bulls offer him, New Orleans can match. And then it's game over. It's going to be a really interesting offseason, especially now that, you know, Gar Packs are gone. Uh, Daryl again chimes in. The Knicks are supposedly big competition for Ball. Yes, I've heard that too. Uh, I like Lonzo too, and a point makes all the difference in the world. Look at Trey in Atlanta. By the way, he's a top 10 NBA as a player. I knew I'd get a Trey Young reference out of Daryl at some point today. He's doing work for the Hawks. Game 7 today. I knew I would get a Trey Young reference out of Daryl at some point. I should have set the over-under at probably 15 minutes, and I would have taken the under so I'd have lost that bet, just like every other bet I've placed lately. But I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that one right now. But yeah, I knew I would get some kind of Trey Young reference today. And I know a point makes all the difference in the world. And I think Cade Cunningham could be another Trey Young-type player in that the young stud comes in and turns the team around at the point guard position. I think he would be the closest thing to Trey Young. But you can't say a point makes all the difference in the world because you can't just pick a point guard. I Again, Cade Cunningham, it, I'm really high on that guy. Jalen Suggs is a good player, but he's not Cade Cunningham. Maybe he, could, maybe he can find a good situation if the Bulls were to somehow select him. Maybe the situation would work. I think it's all about the situation and the system. We'll see. Again, we're talking hypotheticals right now. We don't know if the Bulls are even keeping their pick. So again, Tuesday, 7.30. It's going to be an interesting night for the Bulls. And for playoff action today, playoff basketball action, game one between the Clippers and the Suns coming up today at 2.30. Then game seven between Atlanta and Philadelphia. It's going to be a really good game. 7 o'clock tonight on TNT. The playoffs have been awesome so far. And watching Trey Young continue to do Trey Young things. And Atlanta coming back the other night to force game seven. I mean, this is great. So should have a couple good games on tap today. No Chris Paul for Phoenix. He's in the COVID protocols. He is out at least for game one. We're going to see if he's out for game two. Uh, from what I've read, it looks like it was a positive test, even though he's fully vaccinated. So that might determine, I think he needs two consecutive negative tests to come back. So we'll see. I've been watching Adrian Bojanowski, Sean Sharania. Those guys have been all over it. All right, before we wrap up, I got about eight minutes left here. We're watching something sad for one of the major newspapers in Chicago. 
when I started going into sports journalism, and I knew I wanted to go into sports journalism at a younger age, at first I said my dream job was to be Pat Hughes. When I Pat Hughes' job, I wanted to be Cubs play-by-play announcer. Well, that kind of went out the window when I found writing. So I decided my dream job, if I could handpick a job, any job in the world, would be Cubs beat reporter for the Chicago Tribune. My grandpa was a big reader of the Tribune. And any copies of the Tribune he had with any big sports events, mainly Cubs events, he'd save. And I think I, I still have a few. That was my dream job even freshman year of college. Now, here we are. And Alden Global Capital has gone in. And they're known for gutting newspapers, basically. Cutting costs. And we're seeing many big names take buyouts. John Cass, Heidi Stevens, Mary Schmeek. I actually got to meet Heidi and Mary through one of my classes at Loyola with Rex Hupke, a columnist at the Tribune. And they're great people. And one I especially want to shout out is Shannon Ryan. Shannon announced yesterday she's leaving the Tribune. She's taking a buyout. And I do have to just talk about Shannon because she was very welcoming to this young student reporter in the media room on press row. And she was great. I hope she stays in Chicago in some capacity, but she's got to go where the job is. I mean, she's the reigning Illinois sports writer of the year. She's a great person. And I did want to just publicly acknowledge Shannon. She's leaving the Tribune and I just, I thanked her on Twitter, and I'm just going to thank her again here, because what's happening at the Tribune, man, that's crappy. And that's being nice. It's sad, and this it's just getting started. This hedge fund, Alden, it's not a good situation. And again, it was it was my dream job at one point, to work for the Tribune. Now, not so much. And even as I embark on the job hunt, which is still ongoing, seeing what happened, what's happening to the Tribune it breaks my heart. So I just wanted to throw that out there, just as we're wrapping up the show here. Because, yeah, that's it's not good, and again, it's just the beginning right now. So all the best to everyone at the Tribune who's taking buyouts. And thanks again to Shannon Ryan for everything. So, now back on to sports real quick. I told you about the NBA schedule today. Cubs-Marlins coming up this afternoon. The game starting at 1.20 on Marquee. White Sox-Astros at 1.10. So, good day of Chicago baseball. And again, it's a good NBA playoffs. I'm excited. It's going to be a good day a basketball. Clippers Suns coming up at 2.30. 76ers Hawks tonight at 7. I'm excited. And it's going to be a good sports day, hopefully. Hopefully the Cubs can learn how to hit. And I want to see how those White Sox lineup looks. Brian Goodwin, cleanup hitter. That just cracks me up. I'm like, let's get weird. You know, it's Sunday. You got a day off tomorrow. Let's just get weird. It's going to be a good day. 
And hopefully it's a good week for Chicago sports too. Because again, you got the the lottery coming up Tuesday. It's going to be that's going to determine a lot of things for the Bulls. And the way I see it, <laughs> okay, it's kind of uh, it's not a spoiler. This is not a spoiler. But if you don't want to hear any details of Loki, the new Marvel show, you can go ahead and mute for about thirty seconds to thirty seconds to a minute. But if you don't mind hearing some details, these are not this again. They're not spoilers. Feel free to listen because it's going to make sense. So the way the lottery is looking on Tuesday for the Bulls, it's kind of how in Loki you have the, they brought the sacred timeline together from all these other timelines. Right now the Bulls have all these different timelines going off based on what happens Tuesday. Do they get top four? Do they not get top four? Do they get number one? Do they get number two or three? There's all these different timelines. After Tuesday night, one timeline is going to be the timeline, the sacred timeline. So that's kind of the position that I'm looking at for Tuesday. And also, Loki is awesome. The best part about it is I work at the bar until close on Tuesday nights. and I work until close. We close at 1.30 a.m. The episode drops at 2 a.m., so I just stay up and watch it. But that's kind of my analogy for Tuesday. And it'll make more sense once you watch the show. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a Marvel nerd. It makes sense. So I'm going to go ahead and end it here, basically with that analogy, just because I've been kind of wanting to work that in and it finally came together in my head. So thank you again for listening. Also, uh, on this Father's Day, thanks again to my dad. He kind of passed on his love for sports. And the reason my Twitter is Nick Schultz underscore seven. Seven was my baseball number, and that's because it was his baseball number. In high school, number seven. So my my dad's love of sports is a big reason why I'm hosting the show in the first place. And I can't think of enough for everything. And I know he's downstairs listening. We're going to go have a nice brunch. And I got to work tonight. So we got some good plans today. I hope everyone has a great Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And all the father figures out there as well. And again, I'm going to wrap her up right here. So thank you. Thank you for listening. It was great to be back. I will see you back here next week. Same time, same place here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Get the vaccine when you can. It sounds like we're going back to normal quick. We are in phase five in Illinois. Seeing Wrigley Field and guarantee guarantee rates going to 100% soon. But seeing Wrigley Field at 100% capacity is so refreshing. And I'll be honest, I teared up when I saw Anthony Rizzo hit that home run and the crowd erupt behind him against the Cardinals. So thanks again for listening and indulging me. I'll see you back here next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody.